0: And now, a breakthrough basketball original podcast: The Jim Huber Show.
1: After basketball, his dream is to become a rodeo clown.
0: Jim Huber, hey everybody!
2: Oh, it is hard work being this good. I was like, woo! <laughs> <laughs> he sound like a, a big choo-choo train.
0: You win in the locker room first. John Gordon is here. Seven C's to Build a Winning Team. Hey, Troy, how you doing? Terrific, thank you. John, John,
1: I'll tell you what, I I wish I had about three hours to talk to you. Holy cow, man. (laughs) I'm telling you, that book, I've coached for like 23 years. And I wish I had that book when I was 25, a head coach
2: at college. Appreciate it. Well, you know, that's honestly why we wrote it, to, to help coaches at, you know, at all levels. So that was the goal.
1: You know, you talk about culture. I know that's the first C in the book, culture. And it's very important to you. You become a head coach, head basketball coach at a high school. And you're going in to take over and say they haven't had a consistent championship culture over the years. What would you do? What steps would you take to, to build that culture?
2: I would first meet with the team, and I would say, what do we want to be known for? What do we want to stand for as a culture, as a team? When people look at us, when people look at our program a year from now, two years from now, five years from now, what do we want to be known for? And that would be the first thing I would do. I would get the team to buy into that, to be part of that, and then we would list out those values, those keys, hard work, integrity, whatever comes up, you know. You might have to drive the process a little bit as a leader to get them -hmm. to understand. But whatever came up, boom, we now have those things. And from those pillars, I would begin to build my culture with my team and get them to buy in and believe.
0: One thing that's different kind of in high school is that the parents are probably more involved. And Do coaches do enough to get them involved with their culture?
2: That is such a great question and a great point. In this day and age, even Coach K is getting calls from parents, which is crazy when you think about it. I mean, come on, Coach K is getting calls from parents? So imagine what's happening at the high school level. I believe that you have to get the parents involved in your culture. You have to make them a part of your team because here's the deal. They are a part of your culture whether you like it or not because the kids are going home and they're hearing the voices of the parents. So yeah. consider them members of your team. Consider them as support staff where people you have to get to buy in and to believe in themselves. Equip them, talk about the values, talk about the standards of behavior, talk about the expectations, talk about what what kind of culture you're building, what the uh, challenges are going to be, what the obstacles are going to be, what the rewards are going to be. And also when your student athlete doesn't do something right, what are the consequences? So get them to be part of that culture early on so that they feel like they're a part of it. And it's amazing, if you equip them, and you can actually get them to be more positive, which I, I know leaders can, because I've seen it. When you get them to be more positive, when you get them on the bus, when you talk about the problem with negativity and energy vampires, and you're, and you're like that up front, it's amazing how they will actually be a part of your culture and support it when you include them in the process. How do you
1: do that, though? A lot of, lot of coaches will have you know preseason meetings, and they'll lay everything out to parents. So what would you suggest for the coaches to do throughout the season, because it's a long season, to be consistent with right. that communication with the parents?
2: Big believer in that initial meeting. And then I believe weekly communication is very important. I believe that an open channel is important. Talk to me about anything in regards to our culture, in regards to anything we can do better to uh, improve the team. Don't talk to me about playing time now. Mm-hmm. I will never talk about playing time with your child. That's something I won't talk about. And not other kids, right? Don't talk about right. Other and, kids. Not, and you're not allowed to talk about other kids and their performance. That's mm-hmm. my job as the coach, but. We'll have an open communication on things that happen during the year. And, you know, it's not such a bad idea to have uh, more than one meeting. Maybe have a couple meetings throughout the year just to keep everyone on the same page. Even after a game, gather the families together, have them circle around, and give a brief talk. You know, my daughter is a lacrosse player. She's a senior. So I've had that experience of being a parent. And I've got to tell you, it's not easy. I mean, they, you know, my daughter was benched. Freshman year, my she was benched sophomore year. I didn't say a word. I just stayed the course, and it was it was challenging to watch because I didn't think she should be benched her, her sophomore year. And then junior year, she winds up having an amazing season, an incredible season, academic All-American, and I saw the – the power of just staying the course, uh, supporting your child behind the scenes, helping her stay positive, but at the same time not sabotaging the team and the culture. Now, I've also seen some things that I don't think the coaches have done right at a at a cultural level and at a um, just – an integrity level uh, and that's something if you see that then you have to say something if the coach is doing something bad as a parent you gotta say something because too many coaches there there are a lot of great coaches out there but as coaches as the great coaches know we got some bad ones too
0: You were at West Point, and it, it just so happened that Coach K, Shushevsky uh, was there with USA Basketball. The theme was feeling versus hearing, reaching a team, and he wanted to reach his team about sacrifice. How, how did he do it?
2: Well, he took the players to a cemetery, and at the cemetery he had three different families talk about their child. Who died serving our country, and who they were, their service and sacrifice, their time at West Point, and so for the for the first time, these you know basketball players, these superstars, understood service and sacrifice through the loss of the family members. And Coach K said, "I brought them here because I didn't want them just to hear about this place. I wanted them to feel this place." And it was at that time that I realized that that feeling is so much more powerful than hearing. You know, when you're building your culture, create a culture that that your team and that people feel. They want to be a part of it. You know, I worked with Clemson football the last four years, right? You can tell that that's a culture that people are feeling right now. It's Mm -hmm. all that contagious energy coming. Well, that didn't happen overnight. That's been years and years of building this culture that is so powerful that your team will feel.
0: Yeah, he took it to another level. I mean, he could have talked to the players and said, hey, when I was at West Point, this was, and he could have tried to convey it that way, but it wouldn't have had the same impact, would it?
2: Right, find ways to have your players experience what you want them to experience, to learn through experience, not just words. You know, A mission statement is pointless unless you have people who are on a mission, right? So what's gonna drive them to to do more and give more and become more? And, And that only comes from emotion, that comes from feeling where it becomes part of who they are, not just what you tell them.
1: Hey John, you know a lot of coaches out there, they don't have the resources, Coach K, to do what he did. What would you advise like, a high school coach uh, to be able to do things to get the players to really feel?
2: Well, it's just being creative. There's so many things in our in our surroundings, in our area, you know, in your town, for instance, or city, wherever you are, look for the tradition of your city. Look for the success stories of your city. Look for the the heroes. Like, I grew up in Smithtown, right? Well, if I'm a coach now at Smithtown, Long Island, New York, I would take the team to the bull, which is the statue of a bull. And the legend is that John Smith rode this bull around the town, and as far as he was able to go with this bull became the land that he was able to own but i would i would weave that history that tradition into the culture and have people be a part of it you know like gettysburg lacrosse hank jancic the lacrosse coach there he tied the culture and the history of, of gettysburg to the battle of gettysburg to his team this year and was so powerful the whole fix the bayonet story where you know they were they were undermanned. They were out of ammunition. The Confederates were, were, were about to, to charge him and, and take over. If they lost that battle, they would have lost the war. I mean, it was that critical. The leader said, fix the bayonets. And everyone looked at him like, what? Yep, fix the bayonets. We're charging down with bayonets. And they did. They won the battle. We won the war. And so he tied that story, that history, that tradition to his team. And it was powerful. You talk about the X and O's aren't the most
1: important, not the priority. And I always used to think that was the case, but it's about culture and relationships. And And you mentioned Billy Donovan reached out to you and said he was kind of struggling with some issues that year yep. um, and talked to you about it. And you brought up the seven C's to him. And he's like, yes, that's it. What he did blew me away to connect with his players and foster relationships between them. What did Billy Donovan do?
2: I never saw a coach invest more in their players and then help them connect with each other. He has been at some clinics sharing you know, that a few of the players, it's well documented that a few had some, some, some drug issues. Mm-hmm. And so he got very involved in their lives and helping and supporting them through that process. It was not about winning. It was about really helping these kids become men and helping them grow through their challenges and then as a team he got them to really share and be vulnerable I'll tell you something similar that Dabo Sweeney did that that, uh, Billy Donovan did Dabo created a safe seat where every day after practice someone would sit in the safe seat it started with the leadership and the captains and then moved to other team members and while in the safe seat Dabo asked questions of that person about their life about their challenges about their defining moments and you really get to know that person and the walls come coming down the vulnerability leads to connection within the team. They get to really start to, to support each other and become connected. And it's amazing that they're having that run this year. This is the first year they've done that. Gettysburg lacrosse, I told you about him. He did the same thing this year, won 20 straight games, became a connected team. Billy Donovan did it. Now it's called a safe seat because whatever shared must be safe. It has to stay in that room. A little more dangerous in high school than college, right? <clears throat> you can't share if you're going to really get to know each other and connect. So... But I do know that a connected team becomes a committed team, and I know that team beats talent when talent isn't a team. So Billy beat uh, Kentucky three times that year. Three times Florida beat Kentucky, and we know that Kentucky had all these guys go to the NBA. Florida didn't have one guy. So you see that a team really becomes connected. This is where the the rover meets the road. I met with Eric Spolster uh, this offseason. I spoke to his coaching staff, and the whole goal was to help them become a more connected coaching staff so that they could better serve the Miami Heat players. And Eric told me how in years past it was all about film and all about X and O's, and this year exclusively focused on culture and connection in the offseason. He's read this book as well, and, and it really inspired him to focus on that.
1: But don't you think, John, is if coaches would actually look at the people they are coaching as kind of like their children – and they would invest, you know, in them in a kind of a similar way, like their family. It, instead of seeing them maybe as just objects out trying to perform and give success for them, wouldn't that make a huge difference?
2: Oh, that's everything. I mean, that is the crux of this book. It's all about mm-hmm. relationships. It's about what Joe Ehrman talks about: transformational coaching yeah. versus transactional that's a real coaching. Book. Yeah, I mean, one of my all-time favorite books, Inside Out Coaching by Joe Ehrman. Yeah. If you're going to read two books, I would read Joe Ehrman's book, and I would read this Seven Cs to, mm-hmm. to Build a Winning Team. You win in the locker room first. And, and I think the two together, it's like, okay, let's focus on our relationships. Let's focus on how can I invest in you to become a better person. The Pittsburgh Pirates, who I've worked with the last two years, their focus is on helping develop better people because better people – Become better ball players. And so, if we can invest in the relationship with our players to help them be the best version of themselves, to be better human beings, to develop their character, they're actually going to be better people. But hey, we're talking about coaches who also don't make time for their family at home yeah, either. That's true. And you know what? I used to be in that. In that mode as well. I have to be honest, I was such a hard driver. I wanted to succeed so much that I was focused on my success, not my family. And what I learned is the more I focused and invested on my family, then I experienced true success. And then my career actually took off. So as coaches, we need to make our family at home a priority. We need to make our team a priority. We need to make relationships our number one priority. And when we do that, guess what? Everything else is easier. Everything else Improves when we focus on relationships.
0: John, as a culture expert and sports expert, the Greg Hardy thing and you know, the photos come out, and Jerry Jones seems to just defend the guy on and on. When you look at that, what are your thoughts?
2: I'm not inside it, so I don't know. I've worked with the Eagles, though, so I can tell you their culture is all about. I worked with the Eagles this year, since I didn't work with the Falcons, then the Eagles call, which was awesome, and, and loved their culture, loved what they're about, really was impressed with Chip Kelly. Um, you know, what the media says and some of those rumors early on in the season, not true. Great guy, building a great leadership, loves his team, and is really innovative. Now, the Cowboys, again, I don't know their culture that great. My sense is that they are a little too outcome-based because they have so much pressure because the Cowboys are such a brand that if you're not winning, then you're a horrible team. And I think for them, it's, it's so focused, so much pressure. And we know that Jerry Jones, I believe, is is a big part of their culture and I wonder at times if he's holding them back.
1: Well, hey, the next call Jerry Jones needs to make is to John Corey. Right, yeah, he's a caller. needs a call. He call yeah. Hey, John, going back to that, the Cowboys and just like teams in general in the culture, you talk about character. What do you suggest for coaches out there to build character and do things consistent on a
2: daily basis to emphasize it? You need to have a character development program at every level. The professional level needs a character development program as well. High school level is probably the most important. Of all, and then college continuing to develop their character. What you find is that great programs, they recruit character people, right? They recruit high character people like Duke and all these programs. But at the high school level, you don't have that luxury, right? right. You are taking who's ever on your right. team. So at the high school level, you have to say, okay, I got these kids, they have challenges. Some come from broken homes, everyone's got issues at home. How can I help develop their characters to teach them leadership to teach them these examples of how to be a great leader to be about, be, how to be a great person and how to be a great teammate and if i 'm doing those things i 'm developing their character so I know coaches every every practice before practice they 're giving a character lesson i 'm a huge believer in that i 'm a huge believer in getting your team involved in the community. Make them do community service, make them eat with the kids at school who who uh, are on the fringes, the kids who, who people shun. Teach them to reach out. Teach them to be a leader. So I believe the most important thing you can do as a high school coach to have an impact on your team is to teach character and give them examples of what character is all about. Show them videos, read excerpts of biographies, give them books to read. Uh, My book, Training Camp, a lot of coaches use at the high school level. Uh, It's my favorite book I've written. Uh, I get emails all the time from teenagers who have read that and how it's improved their character and who they are. Why is it your favorite
0: that you've written? You've written so many great books. Why is that one your favorite?
2: It just is. I just love the story of this this undrafted rookie trying to make in the NFL, and he's pursuing his dream, right? And he gets injured during training camp, and and then he learns the winning habits that separate the best from the rest, and he has to over Overcome his fear, his greatest fear, ultimately to to find his goal and reach his destiny. And I think it's the journey that we're all on. We all have to overcome our fear. So I think that that story just for me is is uh, is my favorite. I, but but the hard hat with teams oh. are what people are really loving too. Is these twenty one ways to be a great teammate. All the proceeds of that book go to to the George Boyardi Foundation. It's about a young man who was a great, incredible teammate who died on the field playing Cornell Lacrosse like I did 11 years after I played and it's about the impact he had on his team and his team members and again you read that book and you're like okay this is what it means to be a great teammate you're developing the character of your team when you teach them the traits now I'm a big believer in teams reading books not just because I write them and it's not, I don't want to sell them it's because I want people to read them because when kids read a book when I've learned when professionals read a book that's what I've seen the greatest impact the Bengals all read energy bus this year Marvin Lewis got on energy bus I didn't speak to the team. But I find when a team reads the book, it's interesting. The story that they read, the fable, becomes a story inside them that they then tell themselves. A talk doesn't do that as much as a story that someone's reading. It becomes a part of who they are and the way they think.
0: Someone should do a study on teams that read the Just energy bus together that. and see if there is a statistical uh, or a, a winning
2: percentage. I'd love to be able to track that statistically. And I, while I can't, I've sort of done my own informal one to see. okay, where have I spoken? Where have I spoken, they read the book, Where have they just read the book, and what's impact? And again, it's not going to be a perfect science, but I have found that the teams that read the book, the Falcons read it the year they went to the NFC Championship. They read it as a team the first year when Mike Smith comes in as a rookie. Clemson read it, you know, two years ago, right? So didn't take him to the championship. They're not as good this year, so is it the book? I spoke to the team the last four years, but also, you know, everything's jiving with that program. So it's not necessarily just... Uh, a book, but it's again. It, I think what I keep on hearing from coaches and teams is that the story, when they read it, these kids just start to change their mindset and behavior. They become more positive. They are able to take on their challenges more. And as a result, they have more positive interactions, and then they start to flourish as a team. And all the research shows that about teams. Teams flourish when they're more positive.
0: Well, I hope you're right, because my son's uh, Olathe South team is reading the energy bus right now. so. Uh, that's
2: awesome. Hey, yeah. Speaking of the energy
1: bus, Coach, you even talk, John, in, in this particular book about energy vampires. Sometimes you go in situations where you're in high school or college, and you can't get rid of a player negative attitude, they might be draining the team. What's your suggestion for coaches to, to go about with this individual part of the program, handle it, so not
2: contaminating your culture? One, you got to transform them. you got to give them ultimatums. If they are truly an energy vampire, I don't care who they are, you, know, you have to let them off the team. you got to stand by your principles. But before I did that, I would do everything I could to help that kid become a more positive person, to teach them the importance of it, to drill it into them to make sure that it's something they understand that their energy is contagious. And every day they show up, they're a germ or a big dose of vitamin C. And, again, I just believe it would take more time to invest in that player one-on-one, have that player come in and meet you once a, once a day, you know, in the morning or after practice, and have a special Five minute talk with that player daily. I bet if you did that and you invest in that relationship, that player is not going to be a vampire anymore over time.
1: I like what you talked about, though. Even if you get rid of them and they're not part of your team anymore, still invest in them and try to help them become a better person. I really right. like that. Right? If you that. have
2: to, if you have to let them off the team, do not give up them on them mm-hmm. as a human being. If they are sabotaging the team, still take the time to invest in that person to help them grow. I had a coach told me that he had to let this guy off the team because it was just so bad, but he still would see the kids shooting in the gym and would we'll go see him on a weekly basis, spend some time with them, talk to him, and, and help him for his future.
1: John, when you talk about the coaches, the opportunity to serve your team and put the team
2: first, what's that about and how does a coach go about that? Well, it's simple. Are you here for you or are you here to develop your players? It's that simple. I mean, are you here to serve your team and help them grow or are you about your, your own ego And whether you're winning or losing, where is your identity? Is it in developing players and helping them be great? Or is it about you becoming great? Ironically, when you serve your team and you help them become great, you become great. When you help your team improve and grow, you improve and grow. So we have to lose our ego, serve our team in order to be great. I often say you don't have to be great to serve, but you do have to serve to be great. And you know what? Let's face it coaches are my heroes because the great coaches do serve. Mm-hmm. They do sacrifice. They give so much of their time, their energy, and their effort to help their players become all that they're meant to be. And to me, that's what servant leadership is all about. And the best coaches, that's who they are. And those are the coaches that I, that I admire. Those are the ones that are my heroes.
0: You win in the locker room first. Uh, John Gordon is our guest. John, what, what struck me about the Atlanta Falcons and your journey with them, the culture was set up. And, and Mike focused on not winning the Super Bowl but on the process and going through the milestones and he did it all beautifully and he set the culture up wonderfully it worked great for five years and then what made me sad was one play destroyed their culture talk about that play and, and the effect that not making you know the fourth and four had on the entire program.
2: Well, I wouldn't say it was the play. It was the response to the play. Exactly. And so when Matt Ryan couldn't complete their final pass to win the NFC championship, they didn't go to the Super Bowl. The organization became obsessed with getting back to that spot. It was no longer about the process. Mike you know, lost his, his, uh, his eye on the ball. And what happened was, There was a lot of organizational pressure, a lot of ownership pressure, and a lot of media pressure. So for everyone, it became about just getting back and no longer the process. I knew it was bad. and We didn't write this in the book, but I knew it was bad when during the preseason, the reporter asked Matt Ryan, Matt, is it Super Bowl or bust this year? And he said, pretty much yes. And that was not the message I shared with the team. I shared with the team, focusing on the process, every day showing up, doing the work, you know, getting back to the Super Bowl will happen when you focus one moment, one play, one game at a time. It was a message that even Mike Smith shared a few times. But I think the overwhelming feeling and sense and pressure was so great that they allowed it to, affect them. That's why you create your culture and your team from the inside out. It's never outside in. Look to outside in and you'll never have a strong team. Focus on inside out like the Patriots do and you'll always have a strong culture and a great team. There's
1: so much pressure today and it's like a win mentality. Win at all costs. If you don't win, you're going to get fired. How's a coach like you would suggest, like a Mike Smith and different people with the pressure on to win a Super Bowl or a bus. How do they go about like, handling still the daily process and not getting caught up in that?
2: Well, I think the key is to be so strong in your conviction. That's why we wrote this book. It's why I want coaches to read this book. You read this book. You follow these principles in the book. You follow the framework and the seven Cs, and you won't allow outside forces. It's because you get cluttered. It's because you believe the lie. It's because you allow outside forces to influence you. So the key, I mean, it's a simple answer, don't allow it. Mm. Be so strong in your conviction, your values. Be like John Wooden, who stuck to his values. I know it was easier back then, but you have to do it to this day. There's no other way you can say, hey, that's the way it works. No, when you invest in the root, you always get a great supply of fruit. The world doesn't work fruit to root. It works root to fruit. That's the way it works. It looks like to the world, it looks like it's outside in, but it's not that way. It's always inside out. And the ones that are succeeding are, are inside out. And so you can choose to conform to the world and their expectations, or you can be so strong in your convictions, your beliefs, and your culture that you will create inside out. And when you do, you will experience that power.
0: And Mike's big mistake was he stopped fighting for the culture, right? I mean, the, the unnamed sources started coming out and saying, hey, if they don't win this game, he's going to be fired. And instead of, like, addressing it with the team that these reports are out there that he knows they're seeing, instead of bringing management in and saying, hey, one of you is leaking this and you're hurting the team he he wanted to win and hope it would go away
2: Mike will never blame the organization he'll never blame anyone but himself that's what makes him such an amazing leader the people who know what really happened in the inside scoop know it wasn't Mike but at the same time um he he does own the responsibility, and he should own the responsibility, of not fighting for the culture when that was happening. He really should have also from two years ago when – They started to become obsessed. He should have said, no, we're going to continue doing it this way. I'm going to continue to focus on my process. I'm going to continue to focus on the culture. He allowed the pressure to affect him as a leader. And the great news is he's learned from that. And whatever job he takes next as a head coach, and I do believe he'll get another job because he's too great of a coach, and people know he's a culture builder, whatever job he takes next, he will learn so much from that. And I want people, and we want people, that's why we wrote this part in it. That's why Mike is so honest about it. I think it's such a great lesson for all the coaches reading it so that they can really stay true to who they are because the consequences is ultimately failure. When you sacrifice your principles, it's never going to lead to something yeah. good.
1: Well, the last one you finish up with is the 7C is caring, and you talk about the caring trademark, and then what I love what you say is love tough. And I know in today's society, it's hard to kind of coach tough. Um, people don't think it's possible. But tell me that. How, how do coaches get to the point where they can love tough?
2: Right. Instead of tough love, start practicing love tough. Buzz Williams is, is famous for them. You know, Buzz Williams invests so much in his players, developing a relationship with them. He earns the right to challenge them and push them to be their best. So because I love you, because I care about you, I'm going to earn the right to challenge you and push you. And then guess what? When a player knows you love them, they will allow you to push them and challenge them to be better. If you're always pushing them and you're challenging them, but the player doesn't feel like you care about them or doesn't truly love them, that it's about you, not them, guess what? They're going to rebel. Andy Stanley said it best. Rules without relationship lead to rebellion. But if you have the relationship... Guess what? That's going to make the team so much stronger. It's going to make your relationship stronger.
0: You're on an island. you got one movie the rest of your life. What is it? Oh, Rocky,
2: no doubt. Rocky, do you believe that America is the land of opportunity? Yeah. Apollo Creed does. And he's going to prove it to the whole world by giving an unknown a shot at the title. If you had
1: one book to give to somebody to impact him in an amazing way, what would it be? any
0: book it would be you win in the locker room first Jim available now <laughs> at Amazon. Hey, I
2: totally agree no, I mean it's totally uh, I mean, so it's funny I would you know what book would I give them if it was one of mine I think I would give them actually The Carpenter because I think people say that's my best book alright even though Training is my favorite I think The Carpenter encompasses all the things that we're talking about the most and I think that represents uh, the best but if I had to give them one book it would have to be The Bible
1: what is the best piece of advice you've ever received in your life the best
2: piece of advice I've ever received in my life so many great ones it's hard to say but one of them is from Dr. James Gills the only person on the planet to complete six double Ironman triathlons last time he did he was 59 years old so double Ironman that's
0: like the Mende- <laughs> he's one of the Mendenhall's on uh, yep. Seinfeld that's, it's go time <laughs> double you do
2: an Ironman 24 hours later you do another holy one holy wow. Yeah, and he did it at 59 years old
0: so what did he tell you
2: I said, um, how'd you do it? He said, I've learned to talk to myself instead of listen to myself. He said, if I listen to myself, all the negative, all the fear, all the doubt, all the complaints, if I talk to myself, I can feed myself with the words and the encouragement I need to keep on moving forward. He would uh, memorize and recite scripture as he would run his race and that is what fueled him and energized him what are you fueling up with on a daily basis to keep you going
0: our guest is uh, John Gordon the book is You Win in the Locker Room First 7 Cs to Build a Winning Team with Mike Smith of the Atlanta Falcons I've coached for 23
1: years and that book has had such an impact on me in a short period of time more than more than any book that I've read involved that so it's it's amazing it's a must read for coaches out there of all ages, it's unbelievable. And I, That it's means a amazing. lot. That means a lot. I really
2: I really appreciate that. I'm going to tell Coach Smith he'll be thrilled to hear that.
0: Anytime you want to come on and, and really discuss a book, you let us know. We'd love to have you. It'll be my honor. Thanks, John. As I edit these shows, and that's kind of what I do, I put it together, I hear Jim, the guest will say something profound, and I'll hear Jim go, just like Carl Childers in Sling Blade, I hear this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and about three times in an interview. Yeah. And sometimes I leave them in, sometimes I edit them out because it's kind of creepy, but it's like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. What's wrong with that mower, Carl? It ain't got no gas in it. Mm-hmm. You make a good point there, John Gordon, about the French fries and taters. Mm-hmm. We want to hear your feedback, too, about John Gordon. Uh, Tell us what you think. Go to Facebook, like The Jim Huber Show, leave a comment. Uh, You can Twitter Jimmy.
1: At The
0: Jim Huber Show.
1: Tell us, like, what have you done in the locker room to have success or maybe you've done something that hasn't been effective that um, you can give us some stories too and uh, kind of dialogue more from the book.
0: You know, hopefully we pass it on and we make the world a little better through sports, right, Jimmy? Now, how can people
1: get John Gordon's
0: information, in his book? They go to johngordon.com, and it's spelled J-O-N com, John JohnGordon.com And you can find all of his books on his website And they're available everywhere You can go to Amazon.com uh, Barnes & Noble uh, iBooks Google Play uh, CEO Read You can't swing a cat without hitting a John Gordon and he, book And
1: he puts a lot of information out on Twitter Really good information How can they get that information?
0: At JohnGordon11 so, at J O N G O R D O N 11. And if you enjoyed the podcast, maybe drop him a tweet. And uh, I know he also notes.
1: sends out like a weekly newsletter. Mm-hmm. So, that's something too. I would suggest people to, to go on a site and to be able to opt into his newsletter because he gives a bunch of uh, weekly nuggets that can help you become better, a leader in uh, sports or in the business world today.
0: All right, Jimmy, have a great day. You even have a better one. See you next time on The Big Show. It's very important to have a strong fight song. I've been working on one.
2: Why if I do I'm so strong. Which okay. yeah. guy yeah. the best. Awesome.